Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I am joined by Miss Mimi Bobeck, uh, more commonly known as Kathy Kenny. How's it going, Kathy? Noises to myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's going pretty good. I will give it's you going a, a pretty good. There. Yeah. I don't know what kind of noises do crowds make. <laughs> I don't know. Well, oh, that's it. peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. Peas, peas and, and carrots. carrots. Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, right. uh, so yeah. Hello. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm very, very well. I I could complain, but I actually have no reason to. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you've definitely had quite the career, and like I said, you played one of the most memorable characters on TV in, in the 90s, and uh, uh, I just wanted to say the Drew Carey show ran on a uh, continuous basis in my house when I was growing up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I should apologize. Oh, gee, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I hope it didn't like have a detrimental effect on you. <laughs> no, actually, you know, um, speaking of the Drew Carey show, that made me actually want to get into stand-up. And do comedy, yeah. Um, I used to watch uh, Drew. Well, he was he, he kind of started out before I was born, but uh, doing stand up, uh, he he's kind of the one who made me want to do stand up and get into the entertainment business. Wow, that's cool. If I see him, I'll let him know you said that. Oh huh? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I like how. Um, speaking of Miss Mimi Bobek, uh, you actually were in character on The Price Is Right a couple of times. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure what what that was all about but they did invite me to come there uh, a couple of times and uh and i got to harass drew that was really fun and hang out with the price is right girls and uh, although now i guess they have a price is right guy they like, do absolutely yeah. yeah yeah that just but, makes sense doesn't it I absolutely mean, really. gotta have and, uh, gotta have sex with you on both sides sorry go ahead yeah, no, no, I was just saying it was really, it was fun, and it's a great bunch of people, and, you know, it certainly was a show that, that I had watched with Bob Barker, and then all of a sudden there was Drew Carey, I was like, oh my gosh, and he's just so good at it, and he loves giving away other people's money. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I actually uh, have a uh, Drew story for you real quick, because I went to the uh, the prices Right myself, and um, oh. yeah, we were actually, me and my parents were actually behind Contestants Row. And um, yeah, so uh, it was Celebrity Week, so they had a celebrity that was playing for charity along with the contestant, and um, uh, they had to they had to stop tape. And Drew uh, comes over to the audience and talks to the audience and uh, to, to kill time. And people are saying uh, who they think the celebrity was. One person said Wayne Brady, and Drew goes maybe. And then I, I shout out Ryan Styles, and Drew goes no, it's not Styles, it's someone with actual talent. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, Drew and Ryan Stiles were, uh, I don't know if you know this about men, but they can be very competitive. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so Drew and Ryan were very competitive. And, in fact, you know, all the years that we were on the road, I did a lot of improvisational comedy as my background, and that was what we did a lot of on the road and we did all these USO tours, although not Ryan wasn't on USO tours because he doesn't like to fly. But, um, you know, Drew didn't start doing improv until, I don't know, 19, whatever, you know, it was well into the Drew Carey show, but Ryan had been doing that almost since birth. So when the thing that they were competitive about was improv, which made me laugh because 
Ryan just had so much more experience than Drew did, but that would have been, he was making a joke. I mean, he drew, they love each other, but that sense of competition was always there. And the truth is, no one can compete with Brian Stiles where improvisation is concerned. He's just brilliant. I caught an old episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And it, it's just so effortless for him. And you, it leaves you sitting with your mouth open because he's just brilliant at it. But um, that's pretty funny that Drew said that. <laughs> I know. I mean, and then he, he snapped his finger like, uh, like yeah, I, I said that. intimidating for you to be with all those men being the only woman on there? Oh, yeah. That's, I don't know how long they've known each other, but it's a long, 
long time. And, uh, you know, they both have that kind of like half Canadian, half American sensibility. And uh, they're just, they're so brilliant together. I, we, we did a show after the Drew Carey show. I'm trying to think what, what they call it, the game show. No, that was like, it was on the game show network. It was called uh, Green Screen Project. This is what happens when you get old. I'm, I don't recommend it. Oh. <laughs> it's called the Green Screen Project, where we did improv, and then they went in and put this animation behind us later on. And um, Ryan and Colin together were just unbelievable. It, it was so much fun. And we were performing in Las Vegas. We would do the performances live in Las Vegas, and then they would take them and cut them up and put the animation in. And just watching them made me laugh and you know again the reason that they ended up drew started producing it and ryan were were producing whose line is it anyway here in the united states was because ryan absolutely refused to fly anymore Mm -hmm. to to london and that's why they started doing it here which was you know it's one of those cases where fear something good came from it you know because it was a great a great show to watch and so many really talented people got jobs so absolutely Talented. So, what do you think of the uh, current Who's Line with uh, Aisha? Oh, I know. You know, I love her. I truly love her and uh, Wayne Brady. I love them both. And the truth is, this is kind of funny, but I can't watch improv anymore. Mm. <laughs> I just can't watch it. I'm not. I, it's. I know. I guess it's somebody like if I was a farmer who had milking cows and I had to milk the cows, I probably wouldn't drink the milk. It's kind of like that. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah. it's not, uh, I'm not going to say, you know, people would used to say to me, well, I don't, are you, oh, you're on TV. Oh, I don't watch TV that much. It's like, oh, well, that's fine. You know, yeah. I watch a lot of TV. I just don't watch a lot of comedy. <laughs> so, um, so now let's, let's talk about your, your character, Mimi Bobek, uh, that you're, that you're most notably known for. Um, how did uh, the character Mimi come to be about? Was there some kind of special connection uh, before the show that uh, that Drew maybe had to a woman like Mimi? I don't think it was him. I think it was, um, oh, my gosh. Oh, I just thought of somebody else's name, Greg Proops. Greg, yeah. Greg Proops, one of the funniest comedians uh, and improv people ever. And he and Mark tours with Ryan and uh, Jeff and Joel and all those other guys. I think it was uh, Bruce Helford, who was the co-creator, along with Drew Carey, and was the showrunner and the executive producer and all those titles. He worked with somebody, supposedly, like Mimi. And, uh, I mean, we never met her. He never brought her in. I don't know. But uh, it was sort of his idea that she wore too much makeup and clothing that was a little loud. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure this is one of those stories that I'm having woven into a wall hanging and, you know, for my dining room. But, you know, there were two other women before me who were cast in the role. And the first one was just this tiny little woman with a very high voice. And ABC was like, we don't, no, we don't like her. We don't like her. And then they cast another woman, but they had the wrong woman to the wrong picture. And she drove off the lot for lunch and they wouldn't let her back on because they fired her and then they held auditions again and I went in but I didn't know that that it was that my my agent told me this was like pre pre cell phone I guess but he my agent told me it was a role for someone who was uh, applying for a job to sell cosmetics 
so I dressed up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. have you? I don't know if you've heard this story before, but I was like, yeah. I was in my faux Chanel look, you know, red lipstick and little flippy hairdo and everything. And I get in, and here's all these really bizarre-looking character actresses with their hair up and ponytails on top of their head and cat glasses. And I'm like, oh, oh. And I look at the script because I didn't have the script. I was just, you know, that's the thing about improv. You get kind of cocky, you know. Yeah. And I pick up the script, and it says like the meanest, ugliest woman in the world or something. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm overdressed. But, you know, I went in and I did it and I uh, I ended up getting that role, and <laughs> which just made me laugh. And um, started the next day and then I was in every show from then on. And, 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 and we're still talking about Mimi 25 years later, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we're still it's talking. It's kind of about, shocking. Yeah. I think it's, you know, definitely the vivid makeup. Sometimes I'll be out and I'll be talking to a friend and I'll see someone pick up their head like, what? Like they hear my voice and they, they know it, but they don't know why. And I feel like I should go, bite me! And then maybe it'll all <laughs> fall into place for them or something. But, you know, I mean, I've moved on. And uh, although someone was talking about a mini reunion, and uh, I, I said, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, it depends on, you, you want all your friends, because we're all still friends, so you, you want to work with everyone again. And so that, that would be fun. But but not looking forward to it's not putting on all that makeup it was taking it off <laughs> yeah that's that's what i was going to ask you next i mean how long did it take you to put all, all that makeup on and, and take it off the, the, you know there was a guy and he was so good at it and uh he would get that i i wouldn't even i wouldn't even be conscious really i'd just be sitting there and it wasn't again i didn't have that much more makeup on than anyone else who was on the television show it was just that it was blue there was so much blue and uh, you know so when the show was over and everyone else would be going out to have a drink they could go out in their makeup but I had to go back to my trailer and try and get all that blue off because you know you don't want to be pulled over by the police if you look like that you know if you're speeding or something because it's just like no no really I'm on TV you know <laughs> it's just it was kind of scary so I just had to go back and take it all off but um you know that was the worst thing about it that and you know everybody else got to keep some of the clothes that they wore because they were wearing all these things from the gap like just you know fun weekend clothing but not me you know <laughs> so i i couldn't really didn't want to keep any of that clothing really no mm -mm. no some of it's in some of it's in a museum over at warner brothers like the 300 pound wedding dress which was you know very hard to wear but yeah now do you guys all still get residuals from the show uh every time that airs you know i i think i saw a, like a 30 cent check the other day it's uh you know the way it's sort of set up it decreases through the years and it decreases quickly and a lot so uh the money that we get from it you know, seems like it would, you know, people are sure that I'm supported for the rest of my natural life from that money, but I'm, I'm not. I, I, get, I really did look at something the other day, and I'd done some voiceover, and obviously, you know, in the, through the years, I'd done a lot of guest stars, and I was looking at, oh, I got my, my union uh, notice of how much I'd made in the year, and I was looking at these residual checks. It was like three cents, two cents, one cent, yeah. you know. Nice. That, that sounds and about I, right. Uh, yeah. Raking it in, raking it in. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That that sounds about right. I mean, uh, various stars have Facebooks, and uh, they'll post their residual checks, and you'll and they'll be like nothing. They'll get checks for like zero. Yeah, and sometimes they get them mixed up. Like I keep getting a a residual check for a guest spot on uh, the TV show Friends, but I was never on Friends. And it's a pretty good sized check, like $130 compared to the. So I keep saying to my, you know, my manager, should I call Warner Brothers? And she's like, no, they just, they just have it mixed up. And I was like, yeah, because I was never on that show. So I'm just waiting for them to figure it out. And then they'll probably ask me, you know, pay us back, you know, pay us back. But I was like, no, no, it's their fault. So um, I also, so you speak of one of your uh, guest appearances. Um, I love the guest appearance that you did on Full House playing DJ's, uh, I think, uh, teacher. I, I'm not a uh, foreign ambassador, I think. But uh, she was uh, wanting to get this scholarship, and, and I saw that, that you were the lady that was in, in, in the role in there, and I thought, hey, that's Mimi right there. I, how funny, isn't it? You know, sometimes somebody will ask me something, and I have to look myself up on IMDb, you know, just <laughs> to go, oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I did do that. I mean, I, I remember doing that, and I was a teacher, and um, but I don't, I don't remember anything else. And again, this just goes back to the advice I gave you at the beginning of the call, which is don't get old. You know, just oh, don't get old. Right. So, uh, do you still keep uh, active uh, to keep your mind active, even though, like you say, that that you are getting older? Do you uh, do you still keep your mind active or or your body at all? I do. <laughs> I mean, I live in Hollywood, and it's crazy, but it's true. You know, I, I do all those things that everybody in Hollywood does. I go to the gym. I have a trainer. Uh, I have a swimming pool. You know, these are the, the things that are necessary when you've been on TV or if you ever want to act again. You know, I do yoga and um, things like that. But I, I really became interested in writing, so I started – I have a children's – that character, Mrs. P, and she's at a website called mrsp.com, and it's, um, again, a guy named Clay Graham, who was an executive producer on Drew Carey all those years, and I, and a friend of his, Dana Plouts, started this website so that children would have a place to come to be read to, you know, for those times when their parents were really busy, but, um, for Clay and for, for all of us, being read to was one of our favorite things when we were growing up. So we have this Mrs. P, and she's a little bit Irish, you know, or a little more ish than Ire, really. And uh, it's just me reading the classic children's stories, and they're on YouTube. And through the years, we've had a writing contest for uh, teachers and their classrooms, and we're approved by everybody, you know, the parents' seal of approval and all that. And it's just been so, um, so rewarding to see the faces of the kids who come in, whether they come in sixth or eighth or first place in the writing contest or all the schools that I got to visit. And for a long time, I was an education ambassador for Skype as Mrs. P. So, so rewarding to see all of this energy about reading the love of reading, which I believe any success that I've had in my life, I believe is because I'm a reader. Amen and, to that. Um, yeah. So I wanted to write, uh, Clay had written a really wonderful pilot for Mrs. P because we felt like it was such an important message 
you know, reading is cool and so are you. And uh, we wanted to get it out to a bigger audience. So we've been working on that for a while. But there's all kinds of formulas for TV and there's a formula for children's shows and ours didn't quite match that. You know, there weren't enough children in the actual, they wanted it to be about the children and we really wanted it to be about the wacky life of Mrs. P. So uh, I took a bunch of classes and uh, Clay and I have been working on a brand new pitch and I just finished it and I'm really excited about that and hoping that that's uh, what, you know, the next thing that I can get on TV and and for myself, because the business has changed so much that it really is about just creating the work for yourself. And there's so many mediums now to get it on. But um, I love children and I love the idea of helping them understand what a fun and adventurous life you can have if you read. So that that's what I've been working on uh, is that really, which is cool. So I exercise, I eat right, and I write. I, I was gonna say, yeah, I've seen photos of you, and you, and it seems like that, that you have lost quite a bit of weight. You, you and Drew both. Well, Drew, you know, it just—that's the thing about TV. It really does add a lot of weight, and uh, you know, I don't think—I think I weigh probably exactly the same. But as you grow older, you know, it's just so important to. I, I like to travel, and I learned this when we were on the road with Drew Carey. It was, you never brought more luggage than you could carry yourself. And that, so I live by that rule. And um, I always tell my trainer, you know, I just want to be able to lift my suitcase over my head when I fly somewhat. So that's that's what uh, I'm working on there, you know. Also, if you just feel better. I mean, I, I always exercise, but you just feel better if you're taking care of yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. About three years ago, I actually lost about a hundred pounds myself. Wow! In about eight, eight years' time, yeah, yeah. It's not the easiest thing to lose weight, but uh, you say, I mean, so like you say, once you do it, you just feel so much better, and you uh, yeah. people just like tell you how good you look, kind of like how how I'm doing now, doing now with you, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Well, I live in the world of food allergies. You know, I was born and raised in Wisconsin, but I'm allergic to all dairy products. <laughs> so that's kind of ironic. They shun me there, you know, when I cross the state line. But uh, it's, you know, luckily I live in California where there, you can get all these alternative diets, alternative foods, because if I was still living in the Midwest, I'd probably be dead from a cheese overdose, you know. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of cheese in the world. <laughs> now, you, you grew up in a dairy state as well. Um, was it, yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin, yeah. Green Bay, where uh, cheese is known for, like you say. And uh, mm-hmm. Have you had that uh, allergy your, your whole life, pretty much? Yeah. You see, I'm a product of a mixed marriage because my father was from Wisconsin, but my mother was from Minnesota. So... You know, I think I was born allergic to dairy products, and people said to my mom, you know, oh, just give her some low-fat uh, skim milk and some cottage cheese, and she'll be all right, you know. And so I was sick all the time. I had, I have bronchitis, I think, four times a year, but, you know, that Midwestern thing, if, if anyone asked yeah. me that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. No, I was great growing up, but when I got older, you know, I mean, I moved to New York from Wisconsin, and I was living there when I realized something was desperately wrong and figured it out you know and so figured out that I was really allergic and it gets worse as you get older so I managed to survive it uh, you know only mildly ill 
as a child, but that, I don't think I've never had frozen yogurt. That's how long I've known that I'm allergic. Frozen yogurt since so they invented good. frozen yogurt. Yeah, but you don't. You know, I don't miss it. And also, yeah. when I get up and walk, I don't feel stiff. Or, um, you know, I'm not knocking on wood. I have nothing. No inflammation in my system. Well, that's good. Because I don't eat cheese. I will take so I'll, so I'll take that that advice and uh yeah. I'm I'm 28 years old right now so uh that seems to be something uh that I'll that thank you for giving me that that tip I'll I'll, I'll definitely take it. Yeah. Cuz there's nothing worse than I mean I've seen people in Wisconsin you know with terrible rheumatoid arthritis and all kinds of arthritis or try to get up from a chair and go like oh, oh you know and uh I don't have that and I, I'm convinced it's because I don't I haven't eaten dairy in you know 30 years and also I don't my mother was legendary for the number of cups of coffee she could drink or would drink in a day even when pregnant with me and I, I think it was 13 and I know that they do a lot of you know coffee's good for you it's bad for you it's good for you it's bad for you and uh, there's been a lot of stories lately in the news and um, I can tell you that I was born like a little crack baby you know all tiny and just all the time and uh, and then I didn't have any coffee until I got to college and the first cup of coffee I had was it was like I was mainlining heroin or something you know it was like wow and um, I'm so allergic to caffeine that I can't even have like really dark chocolate that has caffeine in it Ooh. because I have a lot of fun for about an hour and then I crash and then I'm like, oh, God, you know, and I growl and I'm cranky. And so there's certain things that, and I also believe that's another one of those inflammatory things, but that's the thing you want, you know, you don't think about these things when you're young, right, you're, right. you're invincible, but um, I'm really grateful now that I, that I don't have, you know, that I'm not stiff and I can, walk around. And well, you definitely do do look great. Thank you. I feel good. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that I'm going backwards when I, uh, when I say this uh, or, or ask you this question rather, but um, I saw in, a, in another interview um, that uh, – and I get uh, celebrities on here from time to time, and they'll, they'll say the exact same thing, that uh, acting was not your, your very first choice of a profession, of being a profession. Cowboy, and that didn't work out. And then I wanted to be an art, uh, an archaeologist, because I had a thing about rocks. But never, ever. And also, when I was growing up, it was teacher or nurse, teacher or nurse for for a girl or a young woman, you know. And I did sign up. <laughs> I'm sorry, love. I did sign up to go to school to be uh, an LPN or licensed practical nurse. But I'm not the person that you want to care for your sick and elderly. I'm just not, you know. And I, I knew that, I guess, even then. But um, luckily that, that didn't work out. But, but acting was never, never a choice for me. It, never, it wasn't on my mind, you know. And, and I think I want to offer my life, uh, my, my whole story as a, um, a sign that there might be some kind of power greater than us or some kind of divine guidance that's moving us all along so maybe we could just relax about that because I had no intention you know in call I put myself through college my work study job was a carpenter up in the scene shop uh, you know of the theater at the university and 
I, you know, I got to do things like be the stage manager for the Marriage of Figaro and uh, all these weird jobs like that. And then somebody cast me in one thing. They needed someone to play a cranky old woman. And I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I got all these laughs, and the directors didn't understand why, and I didn't understand why. You know, and then I moved to New York, and I wanted to be on work backstage, but you have to be born to the set crew, you know, on Broadway. You can't just walk up and get a job. And it just, I just stumbled along until I stumbled into the improvisation thing, and it just snowballed. And the next thing I knew, I was on the Drew Carey show. It really felt like, what? And, um, you know, I didn't know how to act. I didn't know what I was doing. I certainly wasn't trained, and, uh, you know, but it's something that we all know how to do. I mean, I used to play in my sandbox, and I'd make pies and then go get on my swing set and swing to Paris and sell them, you know. I mean, that was, I've always had an imagination, but it, but I could never have imagined for myself the life that I've led, that I'm living. Absolutely. Um, would you say that out of everything that you've done, the guest appearances and all that, that Mimi would will be your favorite role that you've that you've ever done? It's a good one. I'm sure it's the one that they'll run that picture when I die. You know, my my obituary will be like possibly a, a current picture of myself, and then the one of Mimi. I'm sure. You know, I I truly enjoyed it, and it was it the most healing. Uh, role I've ever played? I think so, because I was very shy and insecure, and playing Mimi was sort of an osmosis. I think I made her more human, and I think that she made me uh, not, I don't want to say tougher, but, I, but I, I'm one of those people who I can set a really good boundary, and I can do it without taking any casualties, and uh, I really know how to take care of myself, and I feel like that's something I learned from Mimi. Uh, so most healing, yes. One of my most favorite roles was years ago on a show called Dream On with Brian Ben-Ben. I played a woman who built a bomb and strapped it to her body and took over his his TV studio. He was on like a little local thing. And I told him that unless he told me that he loved me, I was going to blow us all up. <laughs> and I, I just loved that role for some reason. And it was, it, the show was from uh, Kaufman and Crane, who did, went on to do the show Friends. And in fact, Marta Kaufman now does, um, I'm really bad at names, but I want to, Frankie and the, the, the one with Jane Fonda and Lily oh, Tom, yeah, yeah. she created that. They're just, they were brilliant writers. And it was, I just remember, the, I, remember I could still remember a line from it. Like, he won't say he loves me, and I go to push the button to blow us up, and it doesn't go off, of course, and I'm standing there, and I go, red goes to red, blue goes to blue, <laughs> and then he just pulls back and punches me right in the face and knocks me down. I take the fall. I love that kind of stuff, you know, and uh, that, that was really fun, but but I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you how many wonderful and amazing people that I met and places that I went, including China, you know, thanks to Mimi, playing Mimi. Fun. Wow, it's really fun. So, uh, I think that some of my listeners will, will uh, be interested in, in wondering about this. Um, on, on the Drew Carey show, you you uh, you were working with uh, a lot of uh, um, Im- improvisers there. Uh, how how much of the show was improvised and how much of it was was, was scripted? You know, that's what's uh, amazing about being an actor. The truth is, none of it was improvised. We had 
really brilliant writers. And, uh, and you would never, as an actor on that show and on, and on you know, 100% of TV shows, you would never, never occur to you to dishonor the writer by improvising, which was, that's how good they were. And, um, but then, you know, we did these live shows these live improvised shows and uh and then and that was fun except for the, the truth was that they always kind of tortured uh Dietrich Bader there was a director and the whole crew this crew and they were in a like a giant you know recording vehicle outside the sound stage and they would ring a bell and then you had to improvise a new line and they always did it to the only person that had no improvisational background <laughs> which was Dietrich and so he used to, and we had to do three shows for three different time zones. And so you could always find him in his trailer just with a glass of wine, like trying to calm down because he knew they were going to do it to him. You know, it was, it was a funny, funny thing. And then we'd all just stand and watch him and, you know, but, I really, uh, no, and, no and, improv. And, and that's one Go of the ahead. episodes of Drew Carey that I love that, I mean, you had everybody from Who's Line pretty much on there, Colin, Chip Eston. Uh, I know yeah. that Craig wasn't on Who's Line, but uh, he was there, and Ryan, and, and the whole gang. It was just, just well, just very well. I mean, just very well um, done. Yeah, it, w- it was so much fun. I mean, we we had a lot of people on there who were improvisers, and then even Craig, who started out. <laughs> you, I don't think he'd ever done improvisation. He had been a, a stand-up comedian called Bing Hitler. I don't know why, but one time uh, there was an article in some Brit paper that said, you know, Bing Hitler and Mimi out on date or something, <laughs> and I was like, who's Bing Hitler, you know, and that was him, and he just, he's just such a funny guy, and he has so much confidence, he could easily improvise, and Drew would always make us go to um, the improv in Hollywood to do all kinds of different things, and the other day I was watching... Uh, Cheers, we were watching these old episodes of Cheers, and I hear this voice, and I look up, and it was Chip Eston. He had a role on Cheers, and I it was like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. And he must have been, like, 12 years old at that time or something. And uh, so I texted him and, and said, I just saw you, and it was so great, you know, because he's one of those people I never get to see because he lives in Nashville now. Yeah, he's doing, he's yeah, doing a show called Nashville, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It seems like that uh, everyone from the Drew Carey show has gone on to do very, very successful things after the show, and even yeah. and even before then. Yeah, it was just you know I'd never heard of Drew Carey before, and I didn't know any of those people that were on the show. Nobody, nobody other than me had ever done a TV pilot before. You know, it's a very nerve-wracking process, and uh, but you know it was calmer for me because I thought I was only there for that one shot anyway, just the one episode, and I done it before but you know nine years later you go wow that flew past and uh there were just there were so many wonderful experiences from that you know besides the live shows and doing all those dance numbers and the songs and things that i never thought <laughs> i never thought of myself as a dancer you know so uh it was a it was a brilliant experience and one that I'll always cherish. And and they had there was one episode where they had Drew and Ryan naked as well. Yeah. <laughs> they did that. They did a parody of that movie. Uh, it was a British movie where they all dance at the strip club. 
and this is that part thing about don't get old, you know. I could see the whole thing. They were they played UPS men and they had boxes that were supposedly on their private, you know, part and it was spinning around and uh, oh, and then they pulled them off. That's right. It was really it was funny. It was a closed set, you know. But uh, yeah, a lot of semi-naked men. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean. There's not there's not too many shows that I've seen that that do that that where the actors are willing to go that far be naked yeah. on, on TV. Especially on a sitcom, you're like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Did, no, I mean, Drew had a lot of great ideas. He had a lot of things that he wanted to do, and he and Bruce Elford, and they did them, and that's, you know, you got to give them credit for it. Absolutely, and <laughs> and like I say, we're still talking about it 25 years later. Yeah. Time flies. Time does fly, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, Kathy, let me ask you uh, one, one final question for you, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I absolutely appreciate you uh, coming on, on the show, and I hope that you do come back sometime. And sure. uh, <clears throat> what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to maybe get into improv or stand-up or, or the entertainment business in, in general? Yeah. I think, you know, people always ask me, well, how did you become an actor? And, you know, it's what I said in the beginning – or in the middle of the interview, you, you know, it, it just happened for me. I I just kept showing up and saying yes um, when I was supposed to and no when I was supposed to. You have to learn when to say no. And, um, and I was led to this place that I am right now, but I think that the best tool for anyone who wants to be in entertainment or um, stand-up is improvisation because it's very therapeutic and you you learn to you learn who you are you learn what what you're frightened of and you you, you become willing to just be who you're going to be and to create characters while you're doing improvisation and so i would join as many improvisation groups as i could and and from that you because what you need the improvisation to create the characters and you need it to give you the confidence to just meet the casting people, you know, because an audition is two parts, how you show up, how you, you know, show off yourself, what you say, who you are, and then the switch that you make to the character, and that's what they're looking for, and um, I can't recommend improvisation enough. Also, it'll make you a better conversationalist. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, you know, I, I've been... Uh, taken improv classes myself, and that's like the very first thing uh, that they tell you. I mean, even if you don't go into uh, entertainment as far as improv goes, it'll at least make you a better speaker, a better. It'll make you more more confident a as a person. Yeah, because I think that that's the biggest problem. I mean, on this children's show that I'm working on, it's like, okay, A, B, C. Everybody, you know, all the shows teach you how to do your alphabet and things like that. But the things that I think it's important to learn and that you can learn from improv is how to have the courage to be yourself, you know, not it's and not care what other people think of you when you're up there doing your improv because it's really none of your business Absolutely. what they think of you. And as long as you love yourself and, you know, find your own uh, line to stay on and to, to tell yourself the right stories, not not the story that, oh, I'm not good, I'm not, I'm not better than, you know, it's just I'm perfect the way I am. You know, let's go see what happens. Absolutely. Take, take the leap, and that that's it. And I think, you know, you can find that in improv, and it really is just about being yourself and um, saying, hello, here I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's 
that's great. Um, I, I, can't, I, I can't add to anything else that you've already said there. That, that's, that's good. So, Kathy, okay. thank you so much for coming on, on the show. God bless you, and uh, good luck with everything. And you're, you're one of the nicest people there is in, in all of show business. Please, please do come back sometime and tell us what, what you're up to. I will. Thank you. All right. Thank you, ma'am. God, God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.